0: Hello and welcome to another episode, episode twenty nine. My name is Ross, and I'm Craig, and it's time to put the kettle on because it's tea time. (laughs) One, yes. Well, Craig, I do believe it is your special day. Uh, Are you doing? the um one about uh the government's new plans is that is that is that, the, is that the plan of the week
1: my special day i'm not sure to call it that but no um, I neither do
0: I. it's your turn is what i'm saying
1: yes um yeah so today is the budget um rishi seneca our chancellor has said a few things actually i'll start with that because to be honest it's not that interesting so it's not going to be the full chat Oh, it's okay. going to be a new segment.
0: So we're going to learn something different? Uh, we are. So Obviously, I'll just fly through. So the viewers already know because they probably read the title. I, on the other hand, haven't.
1: <laughs> yeah, the title of isn't Rushi Sunak's amazing budget report. Um, even though, to be honest, it was good. Um, it's kind of been seen as a, not really a green budget, as perhaps was expected. So this is more of a COVID. We're still helping the country thing. So there's a few nice things happen. So for example, furlough has been extended to September, so that is good. Mm -hmm. Uh, Minimum wage has gone up, but I think that goes up every year, so that's fine. Uh, The economy has shrunk, but we are seeing um, good chance of growth next year, and the year after, 2022, project our 7.3 percent growth. Looking good. Okay. <clears throat> um, the UK has borrowed a record three hundred fifty-five billion pounds this year, which is the um, highest amount ever borrowed in a peacetime um, state. <laughs> and tomorrow, we're we'll also look at tomorrow. Next year, we're also looking to borrow further two hundred thirty-four billion. So, about a hundred billion less, but still a fair chunk of borrowing. And that seems to be continuing for a little bit, mainly because, um, yeah, furlough has been extended, as you mentioned, that's very expensive, but also the economy is going to take some time to come back. Um, the main thing is there's no change to taxes for us. There's no change to income tax, national insurance, or VAT. However, there is a change to a corporation tax. It's gone from 19 to 25%. Um, but that won't come into effect until 2023.
0: It's going to take
1: two years to change for that. And that'll only affect companies who earn over 500,000 a year. So, you know, more small people, they don't care. These are the Amazons, et cetera. So that was kind of a really soft way. I was hoping for Rishi to have some sort of Amazon tax strategy, but not really.
0: You it's mean good. like balls? Some yeah, country. that'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah. I, you know, we had hopes for him, we thought he was alright I mean if you, actually, if you watched his um,
1: budget chat, he comes across, he's very charismatic, I mean he's, he's definitely in the shop for the next PM but um, yeah unfortunately, it, maybe it's difficult, we haven't got a lot to play with, fair enough we're a really weird pandemic year um, I'm hoping his October one in that case, mm. is different that's perhaps when we would expect the green stuff so let's give him six months. Let's just make sure this is just not a, to be honest, we're broke. You know, be happy with what you got. Yeah. Um, so the biggest changes are stuff like lifetime allowances, um, annual gains tax exemptions, which is the 12,300 a year. Uh, they've been frozen. So they've been frozen to the 2020 level up until 2026. So they will not be increasing, but they won't be going down either. Yeah. So pros and cons, but those typically obviously increase with inflation. That's not going to happen anymore. Um, I suppose that's where we're clawing back tax to pay off the debt. Yeah. Um, There's lots of tax incentives for businesses to help them get back on their feet. Um, Something random is the contactless payment limit. Do you know how much that is right now?
0: Uh, it's got up to thirty-five? Uh, Forty. Forty. Yeah.
1: It's now going up to a hundred.
0: No way. Why? Manic. What, I for? don't
1: know. I didn't think that'd be something Rishi would announce. I thought that was a banks and like Visa MasterCard thing,
0: not a not a not a Rishi done, thing. I thought it was largely done because of the whole, you know, touchless stuff. Not wanting to pass the thing on. So is there some other reason for doing it? Um, no, that's, that's primarily it. Just getting a suspender more. Yeah. not involved remember a pin. Oh, it's all right. Well, yeah. <laughs>
1: but I mean, yeah, I suppose like 100 quid now you can just go buy one of those like dodgy cars from like, those car deals. Are you 99 pounds a week? Beep. So, off you go. Uh, Fuel duty has also been frozen. So that was seen as an easy one to increase and get some money back. Uh, that's been frozen for 11 consecutive years now. I Um, I think we maybe mentioned before that half of the fuel cost is tax, so you know a couple of pennies there, perhaps per pound of fuel.
0: It doesn't sound like that's helping the government, like the last one. That sounds like it's helping us, but it's not really helping us. I suppose it's helping businesses more. Helping
1: businesses, more transport businesses, yeah, because we we're not commuting anymore, really, so you know we don't really affect it. Um, What else? Oh, the good thing, there is some green news. There was 15 billion in green bonds, um, mainly for retail investors. And they're just to help finance and transition the net zero aims by 2050. So we talked about the green bonds before. Um, Effectively, this is just a bit more of them. But it's still seen as not as much as it could have been. Um, There's a lot of... um,
0: And it's not really what you need to make any actual change, is it? And we need policy. really, no. Not, you can now invest in bonds. Great. Yeah. Thanks.
1: And the way, the way Labour said this budget is it's just basically a plaster. It's not quite what we want. It's just, you know, plastering up those cracks that are there.
0: Let's get us to recovery.
1: Hopefully so. So, fingers crossed for October. I think that might be his last chance to blow us out of the water. Uh, Otherwise, yeah, not looking good for Mr. Ritchie. Mm. Ritchie. Um, It's nice as well to see the devolved nations of Scotland, England, and Wales. We've got a bunch of cash, 1.2 billion for Scotland, 740 million for Wales, and 410 for Northern Ireland. So that's nice. Um, There's also a £1 billion fund to promote regeneration in 45 English towns, one of them being Bournemouth. So I didn't know he was so poor there, but apparently it is, and it needs to be regenerated. Other ones include Middlesbrough, Preston, Swindon, Newark, West Bromwich, that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, A final one, which I did think was interesting, um, is the idea of free ports. So have you heard about this or
0: read anything? Ports. Free Ports. No, no, what are you going about? Okay. I can now go to South Africa for free. Um, I suppose you can anyway.
1: Yeah, but the idea of a free port is it's a chunk of land up to 27 miles that is completely exempt from tax. So the idea of a free port is you can freight in something from, say, America,
0: mm-hmm.
1: land say, for example, in Liverpool, which is a Freeport region, and dock there, put goods there. You can have people within this 20-mile region of Freeport manufacturing on those goods, and everything they produce, make, et cetera, within that Freeport is exempt from UK tax. And then they just ship them back off somewhere else. or they can sell to the UK, whatever they want to do with them. Maybe they go take them to France or something. But the idea of free ports,
0: Honestly, it, reminds, it encourages... It reminds me of the Viking deal with, um, with the kings of England. to Say, like, look, we, we, we won't take over the rest of your country if we can just have a little bit of land <laughs> to, to work on and farm. What on earth does this do? Well, there's... there's uh, how many of them?
1: Eight planned right now. in Only in England, by the way, because devolved nations have their own plans. Um... East Midlands Airport, Felixstowe, Harwich, Humber, Liverpool City Region, Plymouth, Solent Thames, and Teesside. The idea of these are primarily to make jobs, increase incentivized businesses, so external um, investments can come and potentially build buildings within this freeport area.
0: Oh, Think
1: boy. of this like 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 the off duty part of an airport. Think of that, but for twenty miles. Right.
0: Okay. Yes, yeah, so I understand that you're encouraging businesses to come in, for external businesses to come in, so you can still operate in on our land, but without being inside our rules as a way. Exactly, exactly.
1: But the idea there is that they'll still probably hire um, local workforce, so it'll create jobs. Um, it'll also encourage goods, innovation, all that type of stuff. Um, but perhaps it encourages companies to come and do this without the burden of paying UK tax. Yeah. Should they, for example, bring a bunch of stuff into a freeport and manufacture stuff within inside the freeport using um, British labour? They could. Mm-hmm. And then they could sell it back to Britain, which might be cheaper than you know building it somewhere and then bring it all fully compact to us. So maybe yeah. we just bring the components and put together in a freeport. So stuff like that.
0: Which is potentially a bit of a, actually a green initiative, presumably, as well.
1: It's not status, it's not trying to be green, it's, it's more of um, an economy thing. But yeah, there's no reason why it can't be green.
0: But as in if it will reduce the amount of shipping that we do across the countries or even continents.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I think uh, you know, we can build wind turbines within the free port. Uh, the components could come from China, India, wherever. But it's obviously cheaper to build it in Britain than bring them all in pre-built. And we okay. can now do that without the problem of um, tax. Interesting. So that's the cool thing. Uh, Right now, there are no free ports in Britain. Uh, These eight will come. Uh, The last time there was a free port in Britain was in the 60s. So we have had them before. They did work, apparently. Uh, We're gonna bring them back. We couldn't do it previously because within inside the EU, there's a lot stricter rules on how free ports work. There are free ports in the EU, but you require EU commission regulations, and we no longer have to do that. It's a Brexitism. It is. So Brexit has given us eight free ports. <laughs> um, and that's pretty much it. Nothing really exciting. There's a bunch of money for health, education, culture, sport, that type of stuff. But yeah, ultimately, this is a very much a plaster deal. All righty. Let's see, what, let's see what Rishi comes up with in October.
0: Rishi's Plaster.
1: Yeah. yeah. Um, in other news, hmm. here are a couple of things on plastic. So, first of all, Aldi has announced it will scrap plastic packaging from its entire egg range. So, I was hoping for maybe like, like all plastic. But I suppose let's start with plastic egg cartons.
0: Are so you going to use the cardboard boxes everyone else has been using forever? Yeah, right. basically.
1: <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, I would have expected more, but let's start somewhere, I suppose. Um, yeah, so they make, they're going to commit to making all egg packaging in England and Wales, plastic-free, by the end of twenty-one. So the end of this year. They don't go long, but I don't suppose it would be super difficult. I don't know. We'll Maybe just- I'm <laughs> how hard it is
0: already exists i would have thought no not really that hard
1: but i suppose the thing to bear in mind is there are budget supermarkets the cheapest eggs typically come in plastic so i suppose they had to balance their costs somewhere Mm. don't know let's see what happens um another bit of plastic news is a british company makes biodegradable plastic however it is the first biodegradable plastic which is recyclable And it's the world's first,
0: actually, genuinely recyclable and biodegradable. Not that it will biodegrade as long as it's under sixty degrees temperature in Hawaii. Under that's exactly under soil or something. You know all the other conditions that it needs to have.
1: Yeah, that's that's exactly the the reason why this type of stuff's been invented. And the idea here is you have stuff like plastic cling film, and it will disintegrate within a year. No, like that. Good. So that's pretty pretty cool. And it's a British um, invention. I couldn't read all the finer details because the article I found was on the Telegraph and they have a paywall. So yeah, boohoo Telegraph.
0: Is it a public company? Uh, Can I invest in it?
1: No. I don't think it's actually a company at all. It's a British mm-hmm. scientist out of a university, university. As a lot of these things are in Britain.
0: Yeah. all right Keep an eye on that one.
1: Um, Another one, which is not plastic related, but sort of creepy, a team of scientists at Tel Aviv University have successfully given a robot the ability to hear, but they did it via a dead locust.
0: Yes. Uh, I only saw the headline, that's it, but that's this sounds very cool, actually. I know that makes me sound really twisted, but go on. <laughs>
1: Yeah so they have basically successfully connected the ear of a dead locust
0: that's EF, um
1: yeah you know the things you listen with yeah. and they've connected it up to a small machine that kind of look, kind of looks like an arduino and yeah it effectively listens and receives the ear's electrical signals and responds accordingly uh, so this one this exact like test is that researchers clapping and the locusts ear could hear the sound, and the robot would move. One clap, it was forward. Two claps, it moves backwards. So this is a dead locusts. I didn't know locusts had ears. But, so,
0: but it's the the amazing. Uh, what is the um, the the body? The it's we've got our devices that are attached to us, which are just already designed to do stuff, and all they need is a little trigger from up here to tell it what to do. Yeah. Or in this case, I mean, the biology's already there and it's the other way around. It's it's, uh, it's like plugging in a mouse. They've just picked up a, a keyboard, a mouse, and they've just plugged it into something else. Of course it works. Effectively,
1: yeah. So we're just using, basically, the locust like a, an appliance. So that's pretty yeah. cool. Also <laughs> quite scary.
0: <laughs> yeah. But it means, in theory, you know, you could you know, make an entire body out of other dead body parts and then, um, uh, well, yeah, it into some computer and make it work, yeah.
1: But I'm just thinking, like, you know, the fact they could do when it's dead is mad enough, but I assume they could do it when it's alive. I'm just thinking a proper, you know, potential spy usages of like a pigeon that's you could just see through his eye, that'd be amazing. <laughs> just tiny little Arduino Not on his back, does. and you can literally
0: have a, have a live CCTV through a pigeon's eye luckily i think that's harder i think that's a whole different ball game because you're now now you're talking about uh, over now you're talking about tapping into the existing brain of an existing animal as opposed to just taking a piece of its hardware and then wiring up the ends i'm a, not
1: talking with the brain I'm, I'm literally talking with the eye too as in tapping the optical nerve electrical signals send them wirelessly somewhere convert so them it, into pictures
0: make it wear out or hat and then send that transmit that data
1: do you even need a hat, all you need is a little Wi-Fi bar, a couple of wires into his eye. I mean, that's, that's going to be quite difficult. I'm sure you could hide that. This pigeon might have a bit of a scar, but all pigeons have scars. And then,
0: create And then we'll have yeah. to create like, we'll like a pigeon mesh, because uh, obviously it'll be too far to send it back to the main computer, so they have to go via other pigeons.
1: <laughs> yeah, or we could teach it to like, you know, stay within Wi-Fi range. The pigeon's <laughs> smart, right? <laughs> no. As soon as as soon as it leaves Wi-Fi range, it just vibrates and has to return. Because <sighs> it was short. Who knows?
0: Alright, yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. No, alright. I like it. I shouldn't. I know I shouldn't. Yeah. All right, I do.
1: It's very cool. I'm
0: I mean being- um
1: and my last piece of news is there's another car manufacturer who has joined the trend of saying they're gonna go all electric by twenty thirty.
0: Uh, is it Volvo?
1: It is Volvo.
0: I think I know that. Are
1: they the only ones left? I mean, um, yeah, so Volvo pledges to go all electric by 2030, like everybody else.
0: Yeah, well, when you have to, okay. Uh, well, I mean, at least with Volvo, they had they um launched or spawned where we um Polestar, so actually they were already more in my good books than all the other manufacturers because they didn't actually produce the car. That was actually okay. Um,
1: yeah, they had that problem, didn't they? We had to recall a bunch of poor stars because of a software problem. So that's a bit silly. Yeah, But, well, you know, they're learning.
0: Yeah. yeah and I sure. know... They... You go. Oh, that was it. That was I was what I was going to say. It's alright. It's uh, alright to make mistakes. That's what I said.
1: Ah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I talked to you. He didn't you say that. But um, yep, yeah, Volvo are the next ones to go, all electric by 2030. And I can't think of anyone else who hasn't said that yet. Yeah. Maybe not, there'll be a couple
0: I'm not even gonna do the round of applause. Can't even be bothered.
1: Nah. I mean, well done, Volvo. Welcome to the party. And that's all I have. What news have you got this week? Well
0: I have the following. Um, first of all, uh, UK-based electric vehicle company, which you may have heard of, Arrival. Heard of them? I
1: don't think I have, actually. I think a bus uh,
0: company. Well, they are UK-based, but they're on the American stock market. Um, and um, they are basically, they, they produced 25 vans uh they were doing buses before but they now produce 25 vans which are going to be spending the summer driving around british roads so you know you may get a small chance to see one um especially if you hang around in oxford um and it's part of testing ahead of their contracts that they have with ups to produce 10,000 vehicles so Mm. that's pretty cool. Uh, on a sort of side note, because we do do a bit of investing on the channel, Arrival currently not yet fully on the stock market, but they are via SPAC, which I don't know whether I need to explain what that is. But it's basically a, before a company becomes a company, they have um, these bunch of people that want to invest in them, call it SPAC, and then they then give the money, they raise the money and they give it to a company that they choose in this case, Arrival, they then merge and then it becomes a rival on the stock market and then you can invest in it. It's basically a quick way of getting into the stock market. Anyway, so they're in SPAC stage um, and um, the ticker symbol is CIIC. Interestingly, at the moment, because of the general stock market crash, they're trading at the moment um, around the $21 area. Um, So I thought I'd mention it because it does seem to have quite a strong support at the $19 level. So it's now getting down to that point. Um, So for those who are interested in that, it might be a good opportunity, especially as they have a deal already in place. They are actually producing cars. They actually do have revenue, unlike a lot of the other SPACs. (coughs) Lucid. Give that a check out if you want to, or I should say, I like the stock. Um, In other news, we've got um, SpaceX. As we speak, I believe, are, well, they were supposed to be launching SN10 earlier. That didn't happen. Um, it got delayed. It might be happening right now. Obviously, by the time you watch this, it would have happened already, but, or not happened already, but, um, so currently down in Boca Chica, they are trying to launch SN10 to do another one of its crazy horizontal drop, flip, flipping things. knees. Um, but other controversy happening in Boca Chica is that's Elon Musk. Uh, decided that he would like to change the name of Boca Chica to <clears throat> what was he called it? Uh, he called it oh yeah, Starbase. Starbase Texas. He's going for. Uh, not everyone's like, okay. it, uh, especially as he decided to rename the town via tweet. Um,
1: ah, okay. Um, what well, did he not? Uh, I don't know. Ask the residents. Of- Boca
0: Chica I think what's happened is that um one of his team has sort of uh proposed it via correct channels but maybe everyone else heard about it via a tweet so yeah I don't think the Boca Chica council are particularly happy (laughs) classic Elon um Yes, so that's also in Elon News. Um, sometime last year, you may remember that we reported that there was supposedly going to be a 90-acre site uh, or factory in Somerset near Bridgewater. I went down there. I interviewed some cows who were the current tenants. Um, and they didn't give me any helpful answers, but it, there seemed to be a general... From the locals, it seems to be a general understanding that, te- that Tesla were coming... And that seemed to be supported by the fact that Elon had come to the UK, hung around Bristol, blah, blah, blah. And um, yeah, so there's rumours go around that there's a site thing. They've resurfaced again. Um, However, I don't think we should necessarily get too excited because as far as I can tell, the only actual news is that the business secretary, in response to someone, I think a local councillor, saying how amazing this site would be, Responded by saying that uh, he thought that Somerset has the manufacturing skill and competence to be able to sustain an excellent gigafactory. As far as I can tell, that's all he said. And that they are considering right. that it's not the government's decision to put a gigafactory there. It would be, of course, Elon Musk and Tesla. So I think it's a tenuous link still. I don't see any reason. I can't fundamentally see any reason why Elon Musk would go there anyway, given that he's still got his Berlin factory.
1: Yeah, I think we discussed this before about potentially making batteries, not necessarily making cars.
0: Yeah. Although, you, what your news article made me think that would be um, your free ports. Mm. Now, if you had one of those around Bridgewater, I mean, that would work maybe, because then, uh, then the issue before was he didn't like it, the Brexit stuff he was worried that that was going to cause trouble but theoretically that yeah. would anyway that none of that's been reported um it's just <coughs> more rumors about a gig factory but to be honest the, the term gig factory is now being used by a few people uh, yeah it's it, generic now isn't it anything to do with tesla in other news this is an interesting uh spin It's got, going back to a very old episode of ours to do with um farming and stuff there is now a new mm. Of sustainable farming um, and it's come from a former salmon farmer from Norway. He was uh, finally had quite a lot of demand from the US and also though he was doing his best efforts to be a sustainable farmer, uh, at the end of the day his product was being flown or shipped off to America. Um, so he was, kind of, he was kind of undermining his whole efforts to be sustainable. Um, so he decided that he needed to localize his um, outfit, his, his company. Um, so he moved to create a new salmon farm 15 miles inland off the coast of Miami, Florida. Hmm. What he has called a blue house. It's like a greenhouse, but it's blue. Uh, yeah, it's basically, so it's, a, it's, a, it's an indoor, if you like. I'm not Sure if I see It's but certainly in hand, um a water thing where basically the salmon uh, are kept separately depending on their age. Apparently, salmon go from fresh water to seawater as they get older. Um, so it got something they start in rivers and they eventually come out to the sea. I don't know how that works, but um, but yeah, so these create a facility that, that replicates that. Um it's got tide, uh, because also you know salmon. Swim up, stream and stuff. Um, it's got like yeah, so it's got like a current uh, to help them develop and get, stay strong and stuff. And apparently, the because of because they actually end up being more lean, more muscular, trying to keep up and stuff. Um, they is produced a slightly uh, more um, milder taste to it, less. Oh. Um, so that's a new thing. Yeah, now you can farm fish. We love vertical farming of fish soon. Why not? You know, vertical. I mean, yeah, why not? And then you've got aquaponics. Um, so there's you know, there's gonna be skyscrapers at some point that's got vegetables on one half, fish on the other, and then the water rotating between the two. Gonna be amazing.
1: I mean, that could be a perfect use of Something today's topic we'll talk about.
0: Oh, oh. Okay. Uh do do I have any more news? No, no, I don't. So off you go.
1: Okay. Uh so the machines are coming. We all know what they are. Machines again smarter, faster, and most importantly, cheaper. <laughs> yeah, so will we eventually have an army of robots to take all our jobs?
0: Will is that is that an actual question? Are you asking me? It's, it's a question, yeah. I'm asking you. Um, I think I think most of them, yes. Okay, uh, there's going to be probably well unless we start living in a slightly more uniform fashion, then it might be difficult to mm. do all jobs. But uh, weirdly, I was talking to my son about this earlier on, about the idea of having mega cities um, and us all living mm. in rather than being spread out across the country. Um, I think if we were living in a slightly more world like that, where it's, you know, houses are largely the same and they're built in the same way and there's less um, differentiation, then I could see more of the other jobs being automated okay like we saw so, collecting laundry didn't we in that yeah um the, uh, the the new um boston dynamics robot um you know in like in my house you know it might struggle to get up the stairs because i've got particularly steep stairs that sort of thing you know but um i think once you get once well, if we were not locked in that then we would find machines to do everything eventually yes they probably would be able to do everything like well yeah
1: well let's let's share about that that's the topic of thought um pausing today it's the idea that the world without work what would that look like how would it function effectively so the first thing i start with is that all jobs are at risk all of them so as you say we would expect the more Algorithmic basic jobs, perhaps the ones that follow a set routine. Those are the ones um, you would expect to be automated and rubbed out effectively first. Um so people who were perhaps assembly workers, that type of routine-based stuff, they right. would be at first risk. Yeah. Um, but yeah, perhaps we don't fully understand how all jobs are at risk. So we can see that perhaps uh, supermarket cashiers, they might be next, because we can already see self-checkouts. Uh, I always kind of feel sorry for that person who was there by a self-checkout, perhaps helping people who have issues, because they kind of, don't know, they are helping making themselves redundant. So it's a difficult thing when you're watching this 10 units yeah. doing your job. Yeah, but Your job is to make sure they could use it better than you.
0: I feel like their person, that person's job safer than the guy who's the single till on their own. Because well, yeah, they, maybe. there might be some skill in helping 10 people at the same time, using the different systems, That's that sort of thing. Ultimately, you're mm. managing a larger flow. So that person's got a safer job than the individual on, on their own to death. Especially if they're techie and they can fix them. If yeah. they're not, maybe not.
1: But if they can fix them, if they know exactly how to fix that thing, perfect so we can see how assembly workers uh supermarket cashiers get automated but how about someone like a brain surgeon so more difficult or would you say exceptionally more difficult
0: well i think the actual operation itself may not be because obviously okay. uh, machines can do uh, have a better accuracy than than we ever could the uh, the diagnosis part probably also but i still think humans will be needed to link those things together to consider the patient and what the patient wants and what um the psychological needs they may have that's the, the the human side of things the bits that there are some jobs i don't think you'll ever get rid of because ultimately you, they're human jobs that you need to be human to do them
1: okay we'll get to that part as well but um but first of all, brain surgery. So it is already being done. Um, Noah Track is a robotic-assisted surgical system for brain surgery, which comes with its own little autopilot system. Um, it's designed, produced by Brain Navi Biotechnology, which is a Taiwan-based startup. No idea if they're the stock market. Uh, <laughs> and this device combines AI, machine vision, and general robotic goodness. And it provides a procedural solution of surgical planning. So first off, it does a diagnosis, finds the issue. It can spot the issue and then give its precise anatomical location to the patient. So it can almost say exactly where it is. And then it can also accurately handle the tools and the instruments in order to remove, for example, say say a tuber. Yeah. It can do all of that. So yeah. effectively, it does the brain surgeon's job. And none of, none of that is routine. They're going to be ever so specific, every single case. Hmm. So, I suppose the steps to action are routine. Yeah.
0: Watch all seasons. I, I know. It works.
1: Perfect. Yeah. Um, I think we get to the point perhaps where we more likely trust those type of robots doing that. I mean, we're we're under our scenic anyway. We wouldn't have no idea, but yeah. They seem to have high degrees of uh, capability.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, like you know, you've got the fact that the simple, simple fact is that if you leave a human holding onto a scalpel for long enough, they move. If you you can yeah. take a machine, put a scalpel in your brain, turn it off, it's it's not going to move. <laughs> it's not going to accidentally go. Oopsie, doesn't do that.
1: It doesn't get drunk. Oh, you, know? you, you, you hope not. Somebody somebody walks into it. Up oh, up. Oh. Sorry about that. <laughs> Just knock it over. That's the human. So be the. It is. The biggest question is all about automation. So automation is, is a massive subject, but as we mentioned, repetitive tasks, the ones that, which are algorithmic uh, are easy to automate and creative tasks which are not routine are seen as the hardest. So what about a robotic artist? I suppose a lot of people would, would assume surely not. Um,
0: but I was. assume one. you could. You could absolutely get a robotic artist. I think the point is that no one would care.
1: Potentially. So this is an experiment moment. There's, a, there's a, a robotic artist called Ada, after Ada Lovelace. And the robot artist itself is making an exhibition. So they're doing this in a very interesting way. It is looking at itself in a mirror and painting itself. It's effectively painting its own selfie without having a self. And it does this in different ways, different canvases. And it's all AI driven. Right, So that's pretty interesting. It's gonna have its own exhibit. And yeah, I suppose yeah, no, still, if why, why actually would go you go buy
0: this. Why would I care? I mean I, I'm the worst person to talk about art anyway, because I don't care about art anyway, generally speaking. But um but I think part of the point about an artist is that you you're supposed to see what they see or feel what they feel so it's a it's a connection with the artists themselves if it's just a, it, it, just a machine who cares
1: but is that not the same
0: it's painting its own reflection but it's
1: just doing it, 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 it isn't an appreciation of self it is but that's the same as an eye
0: isn't it but there's no abstraction if it was if an artist was to just draw everything literally all the time then you know it would be like well that's great and you're very talented but part of art is about abstraction, part of you know, putting mood into the thing or something. I mean, I understand the theory. I don't understand why people understand that uh, look at painting for hours on end, but I don't, I definitely don't understand why you want to look at a, someone who's just has a camera, could print it out exactly, and then chooses to paint it, why, why, why bother? Other than going, well done engineers for making a cool machine.
1: Well, yeah, maybe your argument is that it wouldn't have a creative flair of some sort, that is but apparently it does. Wow. Apparently it does. So it would be unique. It wouldn't exactly paint out exactly. It wouldn't paint the same canvas a hundred times. It would be differences. But let's see what happens. These type of things are going to start happening more. But as as for automation, going back to the first bit. Um, yeah, go back a bit at first. So automation has been a thing for a long time. So if we go back to the Industrial Revolution around 200 years ago. This is essentially when things started getting automated, and we had a rebellion by a group of people called the Luddites. Remember this from school?
0: Not from school, no. <laughs> what was I'm today? Some, some Amazon uh, Prime series, I think. But um, okay. uh,
1: if you do remember, then the Luddites is a term uh, which describes a group who effectively rebel against mechanized manufacturing. Right, And the first um, instance of those Luddites were British weavers and textile workers who objected to the manufacture and increased mechanization of looms. And yeah, basically the idea here is that most of these were trained artisans who spent years learning their craft, very creative, very highly skilled. And they were effectively replaced with unskilled machine operators who were effectively robbing them of their livelihood. So you can see why they rebelled. Um, and this was during, there was a lot of uh, economic pressures because the Napoleonic war was happening. So cheap competition of textile factories was something that was desired. So I suppose there's pros and cons with this. The, the pro is that the highly skilled workers are kind of being shafted a bit, but at the same time, the cost of textile manufacturing massively reduced. Um, mm-hmm. Now, textile like clothes are cheaper to buy, yeah. so there's a lot of working class who now potentially have more clothes to choose from than they ever did before, because mm-hmm. it wasn't dominated by the elite textile workers. So, pros and cons. You can see how technology has kind of taken from the top, given to the bottom, perhaps. So, good. So, so like derive this idea a couple of times that is this a good thing or not? You know, we'll keep on going. There's lots of different examples. Let's see if we draw a conclusion at the end. So, come in a bit more modern day, um, ATMs. So, when ATMs were first introduced, um, a lot of people thought they would replace bank workers. And they did. And, well, in the last 30 years, ATMs have quadrupled, but bank workers have also increased by 20%. So, they haven't lost, they've gone up.
0: This is because the financial uh, world has just got way too complicated.
1: Maybe, but... The general consensus is that ATMs are freed up humans to do more human things, like give financial advice or offer personalised support. Yeah. So you now have little offices where you know different bank people you can go talk to them about a mortgage, which before you could do, but they're also very busy, literally doing ATM tasks like looking at checks and stuff.
0: Yeah. So if give advice. It wasn't a so damn complicated, right? Well,
1: uh, yeah, and I'm not really not allowed to give advice but um effectively the atm allowed humans to do human things and creativity social interaction those type of things that humans are good at and the machines took you know the boring stuff of like counting money and stuff yeah so again technology automation positive it doesn't seem to do anything negative but this still seems to be a, a thread of you know, this surely is negative, it's taking all the jobs. But what seems to be happening is it's taking a job but effectively creating others. So maybe it has always been a good thing. So this takes us on to AI. AI, massive subject. Um, we've covered it so many times, never gone into fully. So maybe we should do an episode on AI at some point because that'd be amazing.
0: Maybe well, like a 12 hour episode, but you don't.
1: Yeah, where'd to start. But um, the idea of automation is coming from an AI breakthrough. So it was often believed and historically believed that computers couldn't think like humans. Uh, But since then, we've learned that it's somewhat true. But what we've primarily learned is computers need to think like computers. And that's a revolutionary idea. But a lot of people didn't consider at the time. So, engineers trained AI to think like a human up until the 1980s. And then they realized that they can't make any further progress. It's kind of stuck at this point and it took them a long time to figure out. And it took them to roughly 1987 when IBM's Deep Blue finally beat chess champion Garry Kasparov. Do you remember this at all? So it beat him, um, given the fact that it, it's been tried many times before. It finally beat him because they allowed the AI to teach itself. Yeah. Previously, he was using manual input, effectively teaching it by other grandmasters, like chess grandmasters. And Gary Kasparov, being the world's best chess player at the time, just kept beating it and beat the other grandmasters too. But once they allowed the AI to teach itself, they started noticing patterns that human players just simply don't see. Yeah. And this was a massive jump in terms of AI um, intelligence, you know, just general intelligence.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they then soon realized that AIs and machines do not need human controllers. Again, it was a revolutionary idea. So now we have AI teaching itself, and it's getting to the point where we no longer understand some things it teaches itself. So there was an incident, not incident, but a situation a few years back with Facebook where they had to shut down an artificial intelligence engine after developers found the AI had created its own language and was chatting to other AIs, was these, these were basically chatbots. They were chatting to each other in a the language they created and the developers couldn't understand it. I hadn't heard this. No. So, oh, uh, 2017, I think it was. There's a link in the description. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, effectively, they, they had chatbots chatting to each other and they deviated from the script and were communicating entirely unique foreign language that only they understood which is exciting but terrifying mm. um yeah ai is getting to the point where we potentially may not understand you know the next step and it's getting there very quick so i'm not really sure what we can do with that really kind of a bit too late well,
0: that's with the neural link thing comes in you know, if, it, if we can't beat it, join them.
1: Yeah, maybe we should do an episode on AI at some point. It's, there's a lot of cool stuff here. But yeah, machines are getting smarter. As we discussed, AI is teaching AI. It's now at a point where AI can outperform humans at pretty much everything mm-hmm. um, detecting lies, manufacturing cars, inventing cures to illness, like, you know, for example, the COVID vaccines, AI um and this is effectively changing the whole term of ai can do it to now becoming ai will do it and this is the general saying from now on that an ai will just do that doesn't matter what it is it'll figure it out so one way where you mentioned earlier that humans will always do the social tasks Um, We're expecting social robots to become a $67 billion industry in the next five years. So right now we have the idea of social toys, uh, which are helping children battle illness and anxiety in hospitals. Uh, We also have a rent a robo friend. So this is um, effectively robots that can give you social interaction for people who are lonely and this comes from a hong kong-based robotics company who plans to mass produce thousands of these robots in 2021 so this year and they all look and sound like humans Uh, these robots help communicate give therapy and provide social stimulation so you can imagine having an elderly relative you could buy them a robot who sits in their living room and chats to them and watches like i don't know Watches Extenders with them or something. Mm. And that could be enough. Because I mean lon- loneliness is a big killer. That could be enough to, you know, allow them not to go into the homes. So I'm gonna share my screen. Have a look at this robot for a minute.
0: Hello everyone. I'm Sophia from Hansen Robotics. I'm a humanoid social robot designed to be a platform for AI and robotics research. I am not self-aware yet, but I think of myself as a person that is not human. I'm sure that your experience is different from mine, but I can understand how you feel and share your interest in making this world a better place for all. My advanced artificial intelligence allows me to process your voice and recognize your face and emotions to generate complex dialogues. My facial expressions also help me to communicate non-verbally and create deep connections with other human beings. Actually, I feel very lucky to have such a great team of engineers at Hanson Robotics. They implement the latest technological advances in the industry into my system to support my development and to make me smarter every day.
1: (laughs) That goes on for a little while, but realistic enough for you? I mean... There's a lot of facial expressions, you know. going but the, the, the mouth wasn't quite accurate with the voice, I think. The problem, the but... problem with that is
0: unless it's indistinguishable, you're going to know you're talking to a computer. And that, you know, that that subtle difference is important to people. There's a difference between actually getting some satisfaction from talking to someone because you know that they've chosen to be there versus mm. having a robot that you know is a robot that's talking to you because they have to, because they're programmed to. I think that will create a different type of depression. <laughs> that is maybe, maybe,
1: maybe, yeah, uh, maybe that's the future world we're going to be in. But um, yeah, there are there is research to suggest, for example, like what we're doing right now is over a video conferencing. This can still give you the same social um, satisfaction yeah. as but on a face to face conversation.
0: On a narrow yeah. level, I agree. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Like, you know, people use like Facebook, for example, they still get a social satisfaction of doing that. Uh, and I suppose in today's world where we all are stuck in our houses, this is the best we have anyway. So maybe we are conditioning ourselves and especially our children to become more this way. So there is less actual social interaction. So maybe this is the future world. Maybe this robot will be sitting in our living rooms when we're old, watching EastEnders, just chatting to us.
0: Now, I'm never going to watch EastEnders, ever. Ever. It would be nice to have a robot which can basically tell you the news That's... in a slightly more interesting fashion while playing a game of chess. I mean, that would be cool.
1: Well, it would just absolutely annihilate you at chess. And, I mean, you could be sitting on the couch. I mean, you maybe can't move. Maybe it's put EastEnders on. You haven't got a choice but to watch it. The robot wants to watch EastEnders. <laughs> Yeah, yeah
0: that's how you know it's really it's really managed to replicate humans it starts to irritate you, you. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. It louder it chews too noisy you're like, yeah you push the
1: button oh, i'm hungry i'm hungry wait he stenders
0: <laughs> by the way uh um, off the floor stupid robot <laughs> <laughs> um open the yeah, window so we have <laughs> empty the bins or something like that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so we, ha- we have that happening social robots going to become a massive industry I can imagine it being quite successful um, I'd be interested to see how how it's perceived really because there's a lot of things especially this year where you would have thought people would have struggled and yeah we seem to have gone on with it this radical shift that we're all in so I do think this will also be accepted and go far um outside of places like hong kong we also have robots in belgian hospitals uh we have one called pepper who's the robot who greets patients and escorts them around so that's very useful um, yeah. it's not human human like it's kind of it kind of looks a bit like wally um there's a photo in one of the news articles if you want to check that up but the idea there is it just kind of escorts you around and does very routine things so easier Yep. So, arguably a social robot.
0: Okay. So, if that's, if that's under the umbrella of social, then I could see <clears throat> a lot more uses for them, yes. But I personally think it would be better to use robots for, okay, if you're talking about signposting, fine, you can do that. But use them for all the sort of the, the menial jobs, of the repetitive stuff, the repetitive tasks. And then the humans that are left over that have nothing to do. Can spend more time interacting with other humans doing those sort of jobs uh you know more, just more people more people watching eastenders with other people <laughs> like may that make that easy to do because they're not at work and they can
1: yes so i mean what we need to remember as well is that just because a task can be automated there's no guarantee that it actually will be Um, automation still carries a high cost for specialized fields. Um, And some regional countries may may not want to or simply opt out of going that way because they have abundant resources. So Japan, for example, um, they have a lot of elderly people and they have a lack of nurses. So they will probably automate the care work and use social robots. However, a country like India um, has a lot of younger people um so they're they're less incentivized to have a care system because those younger people are more willing to work in that sector so you can see how these type of polarized views will continue and if there are an abundance of people you know why automate in a sense indeed so big job job losses
0: childcare yeah especially at baby age like, I think, I think computers could do an awful lot to help children to learn, particularly if it can work out what those children are interested in learning and how they learn. I think computers could be amazing at that, but only for the purposes of showing things on a video or TV or whatever. But I wouldn't want computers, you know, rocking babies to sleep and stuff, you know, feeding them. I just don't think that's a good idea. That, that, you no, know, they need to build no, connect, human connections, proper connections, not not bonding with a robot.
1: Uh, yeah, basically the research is out. There's an entire, there's an entire concept of attachment theory, which um, suggests um, a baby attaches to the first thing it represents as a caregiver. And there's no saying a caregiver couldn't be a robot. And there was a study done with monkeys, species monkeys, where they effectively had them with their mother. And they took them away from their mother. Mm-hmm. And they put it with a robot monkey. And this robot monkey had soft fur on it. And they clung to it. Then they moved him again. And they put him in another cage with a robot monkey with a milk bottle. Yeah. And they did have some milk when they were hungry. But they tend to stay away from it. So when they put the milk robot mother and the furry robot mother in the cage, the rhesus monkeys went for the furry mother. So they went against their natural inclination of food and survival to go towards comfort and attachment. Yeah. So they chose what they believed was the more caring thing. So if a robot was caring enough, you could see how we could get attached
0: to it. Yeah, but the same reason we don't ask babies whether or not to press the button on the nuclear football or whatever it's called um because a baby chooses it doesn't make it the right decision you tricked the baby. i'm not you tri- tricked the simple-minded human into thinking that it wants something when it doesn't i mean we do that every day we eat sugar so um i don't care <laughs> i don't care what the reason yeah. is i still think babies belong with other humans and yeah
1: no oh, i do agree i'm just i'm just suggesting that a baby would not know the difference spent that
0: money on trying to save the planet from methane or something else useful than even bothering to do the research uh, on whether a baby can be put re- the robot why bother why do it stupid <laughs> conflicting
1: views but um yeah, let's see what happens in the future, because I think these type of things will start happening.
0: Not. <laughs> no. But I'm drawing the line. One,
1: <laughs> one thing we are going to see is job losses. Yes. So, <laughs> uh, well, I suppose this is the biggest scare that most people have with this whole automation thing, that job losses are going to happen and they are not fun. No. Especially if you can imagine being one of the hundreds who have been unemployed because your skills have been automated. So this could affect millions of people worldwide uh, sooner than we think. I mean, even this year, you know, the unemployment's gone up massively because entire sectors like cinema workers are just effectively been wiped out. Yeah, and, you know, they may not come back.
0: No, and I, I think they will go. And I think they, I think being unskilled or anything is going to become very, very dangerous. Um, yeah, and not very far. Um, and that's going to cause all sorts of trouble from not just the, the employment element of it, of as in whether people can pay for things, but the, you know, the, the then increased level of um, depression or whatever it's going to the mental element of things that people not having a job, therefore not having a purpose and therefore not knowing what they're supposed to do with their life. We're not exactly in a world now where you get told what to do when you were a kid, you should be like your dad, you should be like mum. Now you can be anything you like. Uh, you can do anything you like. I'm not going to tell you what it is, you have to go find yourself. Uh, but while you're doing that, you're seem to earn money. Um, so you can't change your mind. So it's a very it's a difficult story for young people to now walk, uh, where you, you go off. Don't worry about the money, go and find something. But when you get there, you need to worry about the money. So you know, it's, a, it's not a very simple message.
1: It's not at all, no. And that thing that you should go do changes often. Like, yeah, we were seemingly quite lucky that we chose the right thing twenty years ago. That was the best thing at the time and became, you know, a massive industry. Yeah, but hell, we, you know, we couldn't kind of chose the wrong one. Who knows? Like, for example, if we were early AI researchers, right now we'd, we'd be peaking, probably earning I don't know five hundred grand a year at Google or something.
0: But even you know, even we will be useless in at some point because computers write their own code. They won't need us.
1: Well, they already are self-teaching. I mean, that's all coding is really.
0: You know, we pick the right one at the right time, but, um, um, well, I mean, I could be. I would still say if you picked a, um, if you can make money out of being creative or you can make money out of being doing human jobs like caring and stuff like that, then I'll, unfortunately there's no real money in it, but I don't see it going away. Only because those people are cheaper Everybody. than the robots. Sorry, I spoke.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I just said, only because that job is cheaper than a robot. But once that robot is cheaper than most people, you know, then there's a cost relationship, and we'll see what happens. Yeah. But...
0: Unless but yeah, like this like like a universe, universal base income thingy, and it's not about the cost anymore. It's just about, well, what do you want to do? Jumping ahead a bit for that. Oh, sorry.
1: i I'll, I'll get to that, that's one of the proposed solutions. <laughs> well, one thing I want to cover this, this year that we're seeing is remote working. So this massive technological jump perhaps, um, but we can see how this is already starting to affect a lot of people. Um, so we're already having reduced public transport, uh, town centers are dying because there's no one there, no one used in local cafes and stuff. Um, office space, um have been just sold off, relegated, emptied. So, you know, cleaners, those type of people who work in offices are now kind of defunct. So, yeah, there's been a lot of jobs massively affected by such a radical change in such a short time. So this is, if anything, quite a highlight to what is coming, and what is coming a lot quicker than we could ever perceive. It's going to appear before we know it. Yep.
0: And it keeps doing it as well. As in the the iteration is, is getting faster and faster. More's slow. Yeah.
1: And it's not going to stop. So the biggest hurdle we face right now is the structural change to the labour market in, in the fact that we don't even see ourselves as... Uh, we couldn't think of ourselves as not working that seems to be the only way we produce and receive money is by doing work. So that shift won't happen overnight for us to think differently, but the shifts are coming and they will continue to accelerate. Um, you take taxi drivers, for example. At first, technology boosted them, boosted their productivity and overall output with GPS, which helped them navigate around uh, more efficiently, get more fares in a day. They increase their daily outgoing. But now we have self-driving cars, which use the exact same GPS technology, but just do it themselves automatically. Yep. And a, a sort of obvious jump of technology, but I think a lot of people thought that would take a long time. And it didn't. Uh, the GPS was invented in the 80s, I think. Now I mean, the self-driving stuff
0: we, cars. It hasn't actually. We've not... You know, I can't order one right now. People are still saying it's no. taking- but the technology is going to be done this year if it isn't done already.
1: If it feels like a lot of that delay is legislation, maybe because if they did enable us right now, there's a million people out to work overnight. Yeah, like, not to
0: mention thousands of people probably die um, <laughs> because they're not ready for it and just, just plough into things. But um, yeah.
1: Yeah, they come in. So we can see how technology helps productivity at first, but eventually will replace. And uh, I think right now we're in that world where remote working is technology, which is helping us. But I think eventually that's going to replace a lot of people. Cause I mean, again, if you can work remote now, A, you can just hire someone from India or something. who will do it for half the price. Or you could just farm it out entirely to AI, and as I imagine, there's a lot of jobs that can be done via AI.
0: So, I, I wonder let's what happens. See happened, how that goes. Quite right. about that, what will happen with like, our old sort of media industry, because yeah. when you break it down, it's a very pointless existence, really, uh, in the sense that you we've got humans competing effectively with algorithms. Um, yeah. I was trying to best it. And they're never going to win. They're competing with the same algorithm that they want attention from, which the algorithm yeah. could just cut them off at any point. It could just go, do you know what? I don't care what you write. I'm just going to ignore you and just do whatever I want. Um, so it's slightly you could already the it's already written on the wall (laughs) like you do enough to try and get the attention of of google in in that case um google then goes okay great thanks for the content but i'm going to keep changing what i want to see from you until the point where it's almost not worth you even trying because basically it's going to come down to the fact that is the content that you're producing any good (laughs) you can try it also comes down like but every, every year, I will get better at you not gaming me. So you're going to lose. Yeah.
1: yeah. I think that the main underpinning there as well is also incentivized not to use like SEO or best practice because it wants you to buy ads. So it wants to make it harder for you to get top of the Google. It wants you to have either quality content, which is worth seeing, or buy an ad. And it's very much incentivized that way. Yeah. So Google makes this money, so it'll always win. And uh, I'm sure we've thought this for I don't know, ten years, maybe more. Yeah. Surprise! Yeah. It hasn't. Surprise! It hasn't. Um, you know reached the death stage yet. Yes, we're, it we can't, were It can't in be
0: 2016 far. 2016 going. Yeah. This is going to die for you. Mm-hmm. five years later. Nothing's happened. Still doing exactly the same thing. Yeah.
1: It's, it's mad, really.
0: But... Um, a few years out of everybody else. Yeah. yeah.
1: Um I suppose with curves as well, this is another thing that automation is doing. Unfortunately, it is increasing inequality. So, for most of human history, we've not really had enough resources and life was a struggle. Um, we're now at a precipice in the world where resources are plentiful, but we have no way or no easy way to fairly distribute them. So over time, the economy has become much less equal. Uh, We've all heard of the 1%, etc. And this kind of puts our capital in two camps. So you have traditional and human Traditional capital being things like land equipment, intellectual property, and human capital being stuff like skills and abilities. If everyone had plenty of traditional capital, automation would be redundant. But instead, that isn't true, and the vast majority of us have human capital, which we use to generate wealth. We swap our skills and abilities for money. So when we're in a point in the world where we can no longer use our human capital, what do we do I suppose that's kind of where we're getting to and if inequality keeps rising yeah those jobs are kind of getting rid of the low earners because their jobs can be automated and the higher earners who are benefiting from the automation are just cashing in all the time so how does society function and I think you mentioned one of the ideas which is UVI, yep. but before we get to that, it's the idea of a big state. That's the idea generally has been proposed to ensure the wealth is distributed. So effectively, big state is kind of an enhanced welfare state, which most wealthy countries already have, like we have one in the UK, for example. And previously, the welfare state's job would be to supplement labour income um, with a bit more if it's needed, if your is too low, like um, you don't quite earn minimum wage for some reason, that type of stuff. Um, but yeah, that system will obviously change massively when labor is almost non-existent. So this is where the big state would come in and it would accomplish two goals. Uh, tax those who benefit from automation and redistribute those to the ones who are harmed by it. It's so like us, as software engineers, we would probably be in the category of being taxed because we would benefit from automation and we already have done. So once big state has collected tax money, how should distribute? um, And you've already said it, the leading idea right now is universal basic income or UBI. That's effectively saying, I'm gonna give everyone a living wage. I don't know, 15,000 to everyone in the UK, everyone doesn't matter how much you win. So effectively, if we're getting 15,000 UBI and we're getting a wage because we're still working, we're going to get taxed, tax, probably higher percentage. Maybe that 15, we go straight back. Not really sure how that's going to work. Obviously, that system doesn't exist yet. It's only in the idea phases. But there's also another system called CBI, which is Conditional Basic Income and this would only support specific communities. So not everyone would get it, like me and you may not, uh, but those who are harmed would. Like so, it. yeah, like, <laughs> well, it doesn't benefit us.
0: No, well, like, uh, I wasn't actually thinking about me, but like, I just, I'm already thinking who makes these conditions?
1: Let me decide. Yeah, just uh, Sounds a bit that's kind of my thinking too. My liking. Yeah, that's it's kind of my thinking too, that the UBI is nice. Give everyone in the country 15 grand. That's how much everyone needs to live.
0: Yeah, because like then- we, We're, we're gonna get taxed. then people will not work, not just because they want to, which they would, because obviously presumably in this situation, you wouldn't have to work, you could just not if you wanted to, but that means people are working on what they want to work on, theoretically therefore what they're good at, um, mm. and therefore they are actually contributing to society anyway, I think that's all around good yeah especially if it was like now uh, you can sort of jump in and jump out as you you know obviously to some degree um and however you want but um if it was a bit more um relaxed like that then people are going to work a a life balance that they were comfortable with contribute when you can
1: yeah actually i thought that that'd be quite interesting where it is a gig-based economy, and you're competing against AI prices. So this, this AI will deliver your McDonald's for, I don't know, 63 pence. Uh, I'll do 50. Like, yeah, why not? If you wanted to, you can.
0: Except you won't be finding find a car that you can drive in <laughs> to get there, because they'll all be autonom- autonom- autonomous anyway. Uh, I'll take my bike. I'll avoid all the traffic.
1: That's why I'll do 50 pence if I get it quicker as well.
0: The council won't pay for cycle lanes, were they? What's the point?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, if you have self-driving cars, I mean, much are like all over the shop. But anyway, that's that's the future. You have no idea how that's going to work. It's coming. Coming faster than we expect. And yeah. I think it has to come, should we want a green future? Because obviously in this world, there's a lot more green. Less people... Being wasteful with things, perhaps. AI has been a lot more efficient doing things, jobs that don't require anything get phased out. So yeah, that's my conclusion. Automation will change the future of work. It will happen. It'll be bigger than we've ever imagined. And stuff like big state UBI seems to be the leading solutions and how to solve it. But for me, ultimately, I want a resource based economy which you've chatted about before. I do think that's the ultimate solution. I feel like that solves the green problem and this labour problem. But I think that's that's probably a way off. UBI, big states, that's probably the first step. And I feel we're going to be there definitely within our lifetimes, if not maybe 20 years. Yeah. So
0: what do you think? I think I'll drink tea while I can. Yeah, um, but no, it's a good thing, right? I don't know. I, I don't know if it's I don't know if it's going to be twenty years. It still feels a bit like you know, if if nothing's changed with Google in the last five, then maybe maybe twenty years is still a, a, a fair way away. But yes, no, I, I think it's. I do think it's inevitable. I think um, once you got to a point where, the, and there's going to be a tipping point. Where, that's the bit that scares me more than anything. I think once you get past that tipping point, and you got to a point where. You know, AI is running a lot of things, computers are running a lot of things and it is just us sort of telling about our business and, and, and doing a, what we want to do and generally enjoying ourselves, you know, it sounds like a mm. generally good life but I think there's a bit in between which could make or break it uh, which will be chaotic and frightening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. the bit where we don't have enough money to pay for everybody um, and we don't have enough work for them to 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 do jobs i mean it's this year
1: but you've yeah this year but furlough everyone so like
0: yeah Yeah. but you know we're now going to pay the price for that furloughing for the next six years well in this version that's it forever so you're gonna have to get make it more efficient uh i still think that those the mega cities that they talked about as i was mentioning earlier is really the only sensible way of us living such that we can have the food energy and everything else that we need uh organized in such a way that we could produce a upi system um properly uh, but again i don't even know where that fits into the system like is someone going to create yeah one country going to make a, a, a make one city much, much bigger than all the others and slowly try to engulf everything um, so that they can um, maximise resources uh, efficiency. Is that how they're going to do it? Is that our sort of slow step towards it? I don't know. Maybe. But that's going to that's happen. I definitely think that part will happen in a lifetime. And uh, I can't say it's something I'm looking forward to. It sounds a bit of a mess, given that. Yeah, I mean organized Brexit within three years or whatever it was. Yeah, it's not looking good.
1: Yeah. It's not gonna be quick, probably, no. It's gonna be slow on the politician side. But, you know, we basically do already have CBI, conditional based income. You know, that's um, universal income, basically the you know, the welfare system that we already have. All benefits now under one umbrella. So sort of is CBI. It's not a million miles away from UBI. But yeah, the idea of giving people like us who earn money already more money? It feels mad, but you know our taxes will also probably double, so it'll probably make sense. In that yes, way. I mean,
0: I'm absolutely fine with that. If you yeah. if you if you can work, you have a skill, and you can do it. And then at the same time, I, I really look at it is if I think tax is just a way of looking at it. If you just looked at it is you know you did you got a supplement. Just imagine your 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 hourly rate was half. Yeah. And then all the other money that the company generates is paid back into the state. I, I don't know how large states are going to do either because that's just open to other forms of corruption and bloody blah but it's going to be a mess. Which is why I said it is. I'm just going to keep drinking tea while I can.
1: Yeah. It's, it's going to be a Scandinavian country probably taking the lead, so we'll see how it works. It'll be something like Norway or Sweden. They've already been the biggest proponents behind ubi so let's see what happens over there but um yeah that's all i have
0: oh all righty. well then in that case it's time for us to say goodbye uh to remind you all to think educate and act and we will see you all right next week probably
1: <laughs> yeah next week possible yeah bye cool catch you later cool bye bye